0: Or well, it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old
1: ball game. Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the weird, funny, and bizarre elements of baseball that make America's pastime truly special. I'm thrilled to be back with the Inca incogru- incongruous. <laughs>
2: I thought I'd try to throw you off with a fancy word.
1: No, consider consider yourself uh, successful. Wow. Uh incongruous. I
2: I am a huge word nerd and and so I'd like to what's that mean? So incongruous in is like it doesn't quite fit. It's oh. Just a little bit off.
1: Okay. I think we're both a little bit off. I think yeah. short hops and tall tales in the you know grand scheme of the pictureless podcast network,
2: we're definitely it, the uh the incongruous Uh, podcast
1: yeah yeah, I agree (laughs) I take pride in that you know it can't be all fantasy all the time Um, I was gonna go with festive uh, because this episode is uh, coming out on Christmas Eve so uh, happy Christmas Eve everybody and and hooray Hooray. Um, hopefully we get a new
2: CBA under our
1: our Christmas tree yeah and hopefully Um, James
2: Webb launches successfully (laughs) yeah yeah I yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's a whole that's a whole different subject I'm
1: gonna smile and wave through that reference um (laughs) Uh, Brandon,
2: uh, what are we talking about today? So we got a couple of things we going over, Noah. Uh, the first topic is the College of Coaches and what weird thing happened in the 1961 Chicago Cubs season. Uh, then we move over to the pickle jar, fan favorites. And then, you know, should time allow, we have the rent, extend, and cut. That is a lot of fun to play with. I, I yeah, I mean...
1: I'm very excited because I, like I told you before, we we click the record button. Uh, I like going into your segments really not knowing a ton because it's just really fun. So I, I know nothing about the College of Coaches, so I'm very very excited uh, for all that. And
2: <laughs> what weird things didn't happen in the '60s, you know? My goodness, yeah. <laughs> but uh, before we jump in, we have some pickoff trivia. So for you, Noah, I I kind of know the oh, answer boy. here, so I'm going to throw this off to you four players have hit home runs while a teenager and after the age of 40 can you name one or two of them so i would be
1: horrible on jeopardy because i let you or i i listened to the first half of that question and immediately heard teenager and I was like Juan soto and then the second half came and i was like oh no oh no <laughs> uh, there's more to it hopefully uh, so I'm gonna first work uh, first. I think I can get a couple of these first okay. guy that comes to mind. Um, Julio Franco.
2: Julio Franco
1: did not make the cut. No. Okay. Well, second guy, uh, Adrian Beltray did not make the 40. cut. I don't think he actually played through forty. Okay. Okay.
2: I will say uh, uh two Miguel or three is not forty. No. No. They, they, we do have modern players on here, so it's not like we we're do. looking for George. Can you give me. You know, can you just give me a team and. Then- like a, oh, a, 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 hint. a hint because I think I can. Um,
1: I feel good. Think of Mariners. Ken Griffey. Nope. Um. Ken Griffey Senior. Nope. No Mariners. A. I'm just all of these players. It's it's really interesting because when I think of an old player, and I I'm sorry if you know people. <laughs> By all means, I, I think I when I think old baseball player, I'm like oh like third like. He must be forty. He ends up being like thirty-five or
2: thirty-seven. <laughs> Mariners. Um. Oh. 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 Uh, Edgar. Well, you had you have it right. I think I heard you kind of say it a little bit ago. Um. It- a rod. Oh, it was a rod? Okay. A rod. Yeah. Forty. He did. He made it up wow. there. Wow.
1: Okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> was was that the most? The only modern guy?
2: Um. Gary Sheffield made the list as well. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. And then we go back to the Georgia Peach himself, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb and Rusty Staub. <laughs> <That's laughs> that would be the one. Like, wait a minute, I don't think I would got Blue Rusty Staub. Right? right, Blue Jays. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: All right, that's a fun one. That's, yeah, that's, that's a fun. good one. Do you do you have? Okay, so we we said Juan Soto just now, but do you have another player that you think right now could be the next to join that club? I, I don't um,
2: know, how many? Teams well, if if um. Upton last year, well, he's 40. He'll be in there because he hit home run when he was 19. How old is Justin Upton now? <laughs> I think he's only like 33.
1: Yeah. I, oh, he's 34. Yeah. Sorry. 34. Okay. Um,
2: <laughs> Mike Trout, he, he came up 19, right?
1: Yeah. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Okay. Uh...
2: I think Harper, Harper probably. I mean, oh, definitely I Harper. He'll he'll be like forty five by the time his contract ends. So yeah, Is he'll there, hit a couple. We've, we've got some candidates. It's just
1: so hard to play a professional sport for twenty years. Yeah, <laughs>
2: it's really, especially really coming hard. up at nineteen, that's impressive.
1: Yeah, but we do have a couple guys we're going to talk about later that played for twenty years, Ooh. and one more that uh, hopefully we will say see play play another twenty years. Um,
2: but before that, what's this College of Coaches about? Oh, man, the College of Coaches. So I had no idea about the story until a tweet came out uh, yesterday, so the 20th, from Baseball Reference. And they tweeted out, On this day, 1960, the Chicago Cubs announced they were going to play the 61 season without a manager. I go, what? They could do that? That was a thing? I don't know about this? Why not? <laughs> so so naturally, I, I had to look into this. So... <sighs> It's kind of like the same idea having multiple managers, multiple head coaches kind of on the same team. It's the same idea of having a bullpen or bench players. You know, you can just call up specific managers when the time is right, right? I mean, if you're in the middle of a pennant race, bring in Buckshow Walter. Sure. If it's a okay. meaningless game in July, throw in this new guy and see what he can do. So that was huh. kind of one of the ideas behind it. Um, but to kind of get us going. The Cubs in the 50s, they were not great. Uh, So that was, of (laughs) course, yeah, that was the decade when uh, Mr. Cub himself, Ernie Banks, had his best years. uh, But he, of course, famously never reached the postseason despite his Hall of Fame career. Uh, So, yeah, they reached exactly 500 once in the 50s. And besides that, they were... Very comfortably in the bottom half of the league each and every year. Bad, but yeah, they had 500 once. Oh my Mm -hmm. goodness, I think it was 46 was the last time they were over 500 for like a 16 year stretch. I want to say, Wow, that's that's tough. That's pirates esque. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's like impressively bad. (laughs) (laughs) Lovable loses for a reason, you got to earn that moniker.
1: Yeah,
2: (laughs) um. But, of course, that was the 50s. This is the 60s. This is a brand-new decade. The Cubs are going to turn everything around. So the first year of that decade, 1960, they lost 94 games. Okay. <laughs> and um, following that season, the manager, uh, Lou Bird-Bow, uh, requested a two-year extension because that's what you do after losing 94 games. And um, the, yeah, the owner... Uh, Philip Wrigley said, "No, I'm not giving you an extension after that." So they can let him go.
1: Imagine, can you imagine just the audacity of this guy? Like, fresh off of losing, you know, the 94th game of the year, just walks straight to the, you know, the, the front, you know, the, the offices. He's like, well, "I want an extension."
2: Well, I mean, I as a Diamondbacks fan cannot imagine somebody losing over 110 games and being extended. Uh, but you know, that's <laughs> just how things go once in a while. I love you, Tori. <laughs> Uh, But anyway, uh, so, you know, this decade of losing, and now the 60 season happened, Wrigley says, okay, we're changing something. So he got to talking with the catcher, Elvin Tapp, uh, and they kind of had the idea of creating an eight-coach committee to lead the team. Uh, So these coaches would come from a collection of guys already coaching in the majors with the Cubs and four minor league coaches that would be brought up and just kind of rotate amongst everyone. And so the idea behind this was that instead of churning through managers season after losing season, firing them, bringing a new face in, they could simply rotate coaches throughout the season. And by doing so, create some stability in the franchise. Now, which sounds dumb, but I mean, I I,
1: I can kind of see where they're going with the reasoning, you know, uh, you know, just more more consistency. I know a lot of teams preach like right now that consistent, uh, you know, culture between levels mm-hmm. of the minor league. So it's kind of interesting to see. Because,
2: uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that they're toying with this idea. Yeah, they, they, they were close. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of like scientists in the 1800s proposing these wild ideas, wild theories that were actually really close to like relativity or, or something like that. And they just opt by it just a bit. Right. and they get even closer the Cubs do because uh, Wrigley he wanted to emphasize coaches with different specialities some for outfielders some for infields uh, specifics for catching pitching hitting so they were really close to uh, you know establishing a modern coaching staff you know we have all these uh, specialities throughout uh, the hitting coaches pitching coaches and they didn't quite have that in the 60s so they were close to creating that. And then with the coaches, they would rotate through the majors and the minors. So minor leaguers would benefit from having coaches from the big leagues teach them. And then they would also have a better flow of communication to the front office about the minor league players. So it all kind of makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, so the 61 season with the Cubs, you have this new um, fangled approach coming. And then you have players like Ernie Banks, uh, Billy Williams, Ron Santo, and Lou Brock all on the same Uh team. So wow, remember crazy! When cra- Lou Brock was a Cub, <laughs> right? Yeah, 1961 I, I literally folks. Don't, but <laughs> <laughs> sure, some of our listeners do. So this was going to be the year. They have all the right ingredients. They have these new ingredients being thrown in as well. Um, except there was one critical flaw. Of one of many, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> Wrigley didn't institute a head coach position as these coaches rotated throughout the season. So as they would rotate in the manager position, there was no manager position. They were just kind of take turns right. taking charge. And so that created some animosity amongst the coaches. Uh, and in fact, there there are some reports that other coaches were setting other coaches up for failure by withholding information because they wanted to be sure that they stuck on.
1: Well yeah, I mean cuz when you don't have a head coach it's kind of like you're just interviewing. Does it say how many
2: how many coaches were were in So this? they had 8 coaches, but eight, um right? the head coach really just went around four four of the 8 coaches. Okay. Cuz cuz I can definitely see you know with
1: such a with, with a power vacuum essentially mm-hmm. um and this being such a uh in uh, such an experiment. Um I, I I yeah, I could totally see how how one guy's like, "You know what? I'm just going to trying to outshine everyone else just so I can mm-hmm. possibly the mani- be, be the manager next year or somewhere else, you know?
2: Yeah, that's unfortunately just kind of how workplaces work yeah. in general as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, they, they just didn't have that leadership, even from Wrigley saying, okay, you're the manager now, you're the manager. They just, it was kind of all in free-for-all mode. And so this was meant to, again, create stability for the franchise throughout the years, but because this team was so young as well, the average age was 25 years old. They didn't get the stability that, you know, this experiment promised them. Uh, so one player anonymously said that it became the lowest morale team he had ever play on. <laughs> so wow. it was just a dumpster fire experiment. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they started five and four, you know, it's a good start. Uh, but by the end of the season... Uh, they would lose well over ninety games. <laughs> oh, man. None of the coaches that um, you know rotated finished up with a winning record. Um, and so for the following season, they had three kind of head coaches, mostly one. Uh, but by the '63 season, the the dream of multi coaches were dead. Wow. But well, uh, it's, it's, tr- it's
1: interesting that they they kept they they essentially kind of kept with it, and they it looks like they really didn't learn their lesson because they went from eight coaches and none of them were a head coach and then they appoint three head coaches the next year like that's just, right that's the same problem <laughs> but a little smaller
2: yeah so you had this great roster and there was a pretty solid roster especially looking at what well, i mean it's top heavy sure uh yeah. but of course come the 63 season with they go down to a single manager with the same talent hey over 500 look at that But you
1: should not you should not be like i i i mean i understand that baseball it's a lot harder for the individual to make it a, a, a you know a, a large impact right and carry a team but when you've got primary banks like as you listed them off billy williams ron santo lou brock like yeah you got a, a stable of hall of famers on this team and you still lose 100 in in,
2: in what how many games did they lose i don't think they lost 100 games okay. in 61 there was over 90 though yeah Still, and like it was that- again. This was a 156 game season as well, right?
1: Like you're wasting a year for, for of mm-hmm. you know all those Hall of Famers.
2: And it, it was interesting as well going through these newspapers because you know sports writers would you know take gambles or laugh at the Cubs doing this <laughs> experiments. Uh, my favorite headline is um, "Our managers headed for extinction. Cubs decide the way to to stop firing them is to stop hiring them." Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> And then another odd thing I found from the 61 Cubs is that they had an IBM computer when at the time the computers were the size of like 16 city blocks. Right. <laughs> uh, they would try to compile stats as to, you know, batters against pitchers, home, away, day, night situations. And the idea was the manager would plug in these numbers and they would shoot out exactly what they're supposed to do in the situation. So like, oh, go, that's kind of cool. I didn't know they were doing that in, 1961 and i'm sure you had and i'm i
1: i'm sure these these journalists you know had a very similar opinion as ah you know you're, you're having a, a a city block computer uh you know make your managerial decisions analytics are ruining the game <laughs> you know
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of that that tone as well yeah. it's an interesting tone um i'll probably throw that article up on the twitter to check out too yeah all right so that is yeah that is what was that Just before we move on, do you think that with a couple tweaks, this strategy could be viable? We're going to find out, um, actually, because I know I kind of ripped on the Diamondbacks earlier, but that's kind of what they're doing, that they want to institute this new philosophy of bringing minor league managers up to the majors and rotating the major leaguers managers down to the minors and kind of create that that symmetry between all these organizations. That actually, Uh, that
1: is cool because mm-hmm. I mean a lot in a lot of ways the minor leagues are you know developmental for coaches as much as they are for for players absolutely right? yeah that that's really like I, I I think that there is you know as as out out there and as madcap as this plan sounds like I can't like it, it is an interesting idea you know it's, it's yeah. definitely they they didn't get the they didn't implement it very well right. But I think that, you know, it's because over the course of a full season, how much does a manager really matter anyway? Right.
2: Right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure back in the 60s, they had a different thought. Like, yeah, you had a little Napoleon leading the team and people (laughs) all for it. Um, But it's it's a little different now. But yeah, certainly their head was in the right area. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I mean, all all new ideas largely sounds stupid when they first i mean remember when the opener first became a thing with with the the rays uh, like everyone totally laughed at it and now the opener is in use oh, by love the opener of, you know yeah it's 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 you know it's and that's what's important is like you you don't know what works until you find what doesn't right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you because i the, the the co- bother with my life folks <laughs> Mine too. Um, And if you're the Cubs, like what did they have to lose apart from all these Hall of Famers, but like, what did they have to lose? They'd already spent the last decade. Yeah. Their historic winning
2: legacies.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, like I, I can, yeah, I mean, it'd be, I would, I would really be interested to see like a team like the pirates that similarly doesn't have much to lose competitively. Just, you know, try this for a season or two just to see what happens. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's out of the box thinking it's, very unorthodox and i i appreciate that kind of thinking as misguided as it it may have been in this (laughs) scenario but
2: it's cool yeah (laughs) all right so there are our college of coaches and up next i believe we have some pickle jar
1: the pickle jar uh would you say this is on deck (laughs) hey pickle jar on deck look at you go yeah, it, it, we, we should have started with, uh, we should have slotted this in it, you know, third, right? It, in retrospect, in, in the uh, rundown for this episode. <laughs> uh, but Brandon, what is our pickle jar? What's what's in it
2: today? What's our term? So in the pickle jar, we have a in the hole. All in right. the hole. Now, of course, baseball, we have in the hole for a variety of reasons. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what in the hole is. It's kind of an easy one okay. for baseball fans. Um so we had kind of two different meanings. Uh the first one is of course the bather after the on deck hitter. He's in the hole. And the other one is when a bather or pitcher falls behind in the count, they're in the hole. Right. They gotta dig and, themselves and, out.
1: And just to be completely clear as to what you know that means. If if you've never, you know, seen a baseball game, because we do wanna make things accessible, uh, you know, on deck of course is the hitter that's hitting after the batter currently at the plate and in the hole is the uh, essentially the third person in the lineup you know in that in that mm-hmm. instance
2: but continue now with the origins this is this is where it kind of got fun so <laughs> the first meeting of where the batter pitcher falls behind that just came from a book called how to pitch in 1922 done cool. but <laughs> the term in the is at in regards to being the third batter up this uh, I went down the rabbit hole for this one. I was not expecting that such a simple phrase would have this weird history and full of miscommunications and rediscoveries. So here we go. So on deck and in the hole are both nautical terms by origin. Uh, So if you're on deck, you're obviously atop the ship. You're on the deck. You're up next. If you're in the hold with a D in the hold, it means you're on the level below deck. You're coming up after the guy on deck. Sweet. Okay, so 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 maybe we dropped a D over over the. Yeah, know, well, something. that kind of kind of comes into play as well. Okay, okay. Uh, but but then how then did this alliance between baseball and boats come about? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, so oh, that's where we go we up go. to the this is a good up stuff. to the corner of the country, Belfast, Maine, in 1872. So in that year, the Boston Red Stockings baseball club was. Barnstorming. they were touring the area as one does in 1872, and they played the local team, the Pastimes of Belfast. And I submit name. that is a beautiful name, the Pastimes so of Belfast.
1: We need we need to bring that back to where it's it's the people of you know the team of yeah.
2: City, I, I would love to have you know the Phillies of Philadelphia. Yeah, the Twins of Minnesota, the Marlins of Florida. Yeah. That sounds cool. Let's cool. do that. <laughs> so we had the Pastimes of Belfast playing the boston red sox basically and so when they played the boston score because he was traveling with the team uh, right. you know said this player is at bad and this player is coming up next but then the score from belfast he kind of added some seasoning to his scoring Ooh. with naval terminology saying moody at bats boardman on deck and dismore in the hold and so when the Boston scorer heard this, he loved it so much that he took the terminology back with him to Boston and across the country when they tore, tore it. So that's how it became ingrained in baseball lingos from this game in 1872. Wow. But we're not that's done.
1: Cool. I I'm, <laughs> Wow. We're not even done. Like, this is such not a great story. Not even done. Right. Okay, okay.
2: <laughs> so the story of how, you know, on deck and in the hole became... Baseball lingo was was a local legend through the years in Belfast, but it was really largely forgotten by the rest of the country for the next hundred years. Until a Belfast reporter named Jay Davis visited the Astrodome in the 1980s, and he found a similar story in the scorecard of the game. And, of course, because he worked for a newspaper, they reinvestigated the events of that day. And so his paper found that the game did indeed take place between the pastimes of Belfast and the New York Red Stockings. And they also rediscovered the story of the Belfast pitcher of that game. His name was Chase. Uh, Chase was 25 years old when he pitched on on that day, but lived for another 75 years. And so got to tell his story a couple of times, including one to the sporting news in the 1930s. Um, He was talking to this newspaper, to the magazine, how pleased he was to hear those terms in the hole on deck said in a World Series broadcast in 1937. (laughs) And that is where legendary broadcaster Red Barber comes in. Uh, So Red was the first one to say during the game, you know, the phrases on deck and in the hole. Only in that World Series broadcast, he didn't say the nautical terms (laughs) properly. He didn't say in the hold. He said in the hole. (laughs) And it's stuck. Oh, man. So, so today, baseball has a mispronunciation of a nautical term to describe the order of batters.
1: That might have been. I think honestly, that might be my the favorite for me one of the favorite pickle jars we've done because it takes such a a term <laughs> that I've never even thought about in the hole as being no like being necessarily like a baseball term because I use it for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's in ah uh, that both yeah amazing. I I thought. Wow.
2: I thought for sure in the hole was going to be like well he's in a dugout he's kind of below the ground he's just in the yeah. hole that makes sense Duh. And no it was a, it was a it was a whole history that was absolutely fabulous to read about
1: and just as like a kind of like a linguistics nerd myself like I just love I love when terms just get bastardized over the years and and mm-hmm. misused and turn into something a little different and a little weird like <laughs> and red we get red barber in this story the just the legendary broadcaster in oh this Oh, this had it, everything.
2: Yeah, eighteen seventy two <laughs> to the nineteen eighties and the Astrodome, Red Barber, mispronunciation. I love this story right. so much.
1: All right. Now now here's here's my challenge to you, Brandon. Yeah. What other nautical terms can we can we apply to baseball right now? Like, well like,
2: we, we we have we... to we have to put the poop deck in there somehow. Oh um, the poop deck.
1: What would the poop deck
2: uh, the bullpen? <laughs> <laughs> Or you know you know you know what the 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 poop deck should be uh, the ground of the dugout after a game with all the seeds and spitting and gum stuff that's that's a good poop deck the, right there yeah
1: swab the poop deck well, uh-huh. well I think okay so how do the pirates not have a seating section called the poop deck
2: <laughs> guys guys get on I'm it just, I'm just gonna Three Rivers Stadium video. come on or what are just they call think- now not Three Rivers um. PNC, PNC? PNC. PNC, thank you.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna take every opportunity to say poop deck in this episode. My man. <laughs> um that's good. I think I think a good like uh maybe like a good nautical term, like uh I'm thinking I don't like, know like many nautical nest. terms. Like a crow's nest could be could be something. Uh maybe Cr- that's well, we have- where- Maybe that's where uh, the guy with the telescope hangs out in center field.
2: (laughs) Oh, there you go. See, well, we did talk about the catbird seat in the earlier episode. So catbird, crow's nest, probably be about the same thing.
1: Okay. Man, we should, we got to spice up baseball language. I feel like it's already very spicy, but Uh, never,
2: never. My, my, my goal in baseball, if I have one impact in baseball at all, it's to bring the phrase muffinism back into play. Muffinism. Muffinism. I
1: think he, I think you might have mentioned that, but please can you can you refresh for for our fans?
2: <laughs> yeah, so muffinism um, is derived from the term muffin. So muffin was like a backup player that played on the backup team in the 1860s. And so when the team was playing poorly, it was like they had a bunch of muffins on their team. So a journalist called it muffinism. So if you're playing poorly, that's muffinism play I right just, there.
1: I don't understand the the negative connotation that comes attached with a muffin. Like I love muffins. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> that's such a great uh i think i think our goal brandon our ultimate goal for this podcast is to get we need to we need to get a term we need to coin a term that gets picked up by by mainstream baseball like like i think if we ever had like a a broadcaster use use uh the poop deck on a on a broadcast i
2: think we've made it, right? <laughs> we, like, we, we would have made it you're right yeah
1: we'll have to start like a, a social media campaign and and <laughs>
2: bring <laughs> and back the poop deck yeah <laughs> wow well that was
1: great man you came came with some heat today with the the first two stories there um
2: they were they were a lot of fun to read about.
0: Hey, Alex Fast here. And thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List podcast network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a P.O. PL plus subscription where you're going to get an ad free website and get access to our discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year round for as low as eight dollars a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and you're going to get your Let's get back to the show. Uh,
2: (laughs) But now we have something of a more of a discussion now. One of your favorite um, subjects here.
1: I wouldn't even characterize it as a discussion. I'm going to characterize it as a bloodthirsty argument. Um. All right. But uh, yeah, we're bringing back the rent extend cut game. Uh, For those of you who are first time listeners, this is a game where we take three players uh, from throughout uh, baseball storied history and we choose one to rent uh, just for one season, uh, one to extend for a long term contract, you know, i.e. make the face of the franchise, build a statue, all that jazz, uh, and one to cut from the roster. Now, the trick is. We pick three very talented and very exciting players each week. So it's never an easy decision. And this week it is getting very, very murky. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have a shortstop themed uh, uh, game tonight. Um, and we're going to compare. We're going to try to compare at least uh, Cal Ripken Jr. And Ozzy Smith with a player who has only played three seasons in Fernando Tatis Jr. Um <laughs> it's going to be messy, and some people are going to be have have some hurt feelings at the end of this. But uh,
2: I think yeah, I'm I'm selling pitchforks right now, so I'm going to make make a (laughs) bundle off of that. Uh, But when we're doing this, you know, rent extend cut, are we doing this at a specific point in their careers, like in year three, year six? Where 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 are we at with this?
1: Yeah, so that's that's the issue, isn't it? Because Ripken played 21 seasons, Ozzy Smith played 19 seasons, and Tatis has just finished his third season, and even that he was hurt for a fair chunk of his career already. And he had the 60 game season in 2020. Mm -hmm. So it's really going to be messy. And, uh, but, so, so yeah, do we want to, do we want to do it just at this point in their careers? Cause I don't, I don't think it's that fun to really just compare the first three seasons of Ripken with the first three seasons of Ozzy Smith.
2: Okay. So, think, so at, at this point, everyone's kind of a known value. We just had to decide yeah. who we want in our teams more. Yeah. yeah. I okay. Think, I think I'm i on with board.
1: Tatis, it's more of like a gamble, but I think that that's kind of the zest, right? That's, that's the fun part. Ooh, um, zest. Nice. Zest. Thank you. Uh, so I think that, uh, yeah, so I guess, uh, what, what's your first, your initial thought? Uh, you know, what, what hits your, your mind immediately?
2: So immediately, I love players that flash the leather. I love yeah. those slick fielders. They just make me all sorts of happy. Um, so Ozzie Smith is like one of my favorites for that reason. He's the wizard. Uh, I want him on my team at all times, even if he was only average with a bat a couple seasons. I, I want that glove and shortstop, man. I want that beauty. I want to watch that game every day. That's who I want.
1: Would you Would you consider, like, a little bit of a sidebar, but that's kind of what this conversation is about, right? Remembering players. But where would Ozzie Smith rank for you in terms of just best fielders ever? Like, is he number one? Uh, it's hard because, you know, different positions. It's very hard to compare. Uh, but just complete, completely off the top of your head, is there anyone that you think is a better a better well, I think than Aussie Smith.
2: I think going by the stats, I think we talked about this last week. Greg Maddox, <laughs> technically. <laughs> yeah.
1: Can't argue with uh he had 18 gold gloves. Uh Aussie Smith only had 13. So uh bit of a scrub I <laughs>
2: Um well, Ozzie Smith, okay. um Andrew Jones. I think about him a lot in center field in his okay. peak. Yeah. Um yeah. I, he was a wonderful center fielder that was just Jim amazing Edmonds to
1: watch. And while we're on the
2: Jim Edmonds, field field. yeah. Um um, Mike Schmidt was pretty good fielder, but I don't think he was in the same league as Smith. Right.
1: Uh, and you got a third base guy, talk Brooks Robinson as well.
2: Brook that's who I was thinking about, Brooks Robinson. Yeah, that's the guy I wanted. Um, and of course you got folks like um Oscar Charleston up in right. center field as well, right. and Yadí Molina for a catcher. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it's, or Johnny it's, Bench it's for that matter. Awesome yeah, to compare these guys, but uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of yeah, definitely he's he's in huh. the conversation. Um, so so really quick sidebar to a sidebar. Uh, I I play a <laughs> lot of out out of the park baseball, and they have this you right. know, game where you can take players from all different eras and throw them on the same team and see it competing against other players that doing the same thing. Uh, right. my team specializes in fielding and speed. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So I I do have an Ozzy Smith and an Andrew Jones, uh, playing on the same team.
1: Who who? It's a lot just, of fun. just just real quick, what are what are a couple of the other names on your your well, squad?
2: Brooks Robinson as well, uh, wow. Lou Gehrig. I managed to get at first, um, and a cool Papa Bell in right. So it made oh, me very cool happy. Papa Bell, ah, oh,
1: yeah. I the I I need to put more time in their their ultimate team mode because I, I I played and, a little bit and then Satchel Paige was too expensive for me and then I kind of lost.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I have the exact team I've always wanted and I'm just doing okay. So I I, I can take a leave at this point. Now I I, I got my team. I'm, I'm good. I don't think I need to play right. that game mode next year. But out-of-the-park baseball, guys, go check it out. <laughs> but Ozzie Smith, back to back to shortstops. We got
1: Ozzie Smith. Uh, how do you feel about Cal, and how do you feel about Fernando?
2: So, of course, if Ozzie was the speedster, nearly 600 stolen bases in his career, uh, Ripken is the opposite. He's the power guy. Um, this was Noah's favorite fact. How many, in his career, how many stolen bases did Ripken have? So, <laughs> just
1: just very quickly, just, you know, getting the tail of the tape for these three players <laughs> i had no idea that cal Ripken. like i knew he he didn't steal bases right but mm-hmm. only 36 stolen bases across 21 seasons is kind of absurd right uh the most 36. bases, yeah only 36 uh the most bases cal stole in a season uh was six in 1991 <laughs> when he was 30 <laughs> wow um yeah, I just it's 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 very interesting, and I think in a lot of ways he kind of reminds me of Corey Seager, um, in terms of just like
2: his his hitting profile a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, but yeah, and, it's it's cool. And Ripken was really he broke the prototype of a shortstop. You know, typically you had your yeah. Ozzy Smith, your, your short fast guys, and shortstop. Really? But Ripken was like what six two, big six guy. three. He was a yeah. big guy and hit for power. This he, he broke the mold of a shortstop.
1: Yeah, yeah, he definitely did. Um and all time great nickname
2: Iron Man. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Not as good as the Wizard.
1: <laughs> Not as yeah. That's what we should be comparing here: Iron Man versus the Wizard and uh,
2: and Tatis. Fernando- Sorry, man. We'll, we'll get you in the conversation soon. I promise.
1: <laughs> okay. At the end of this, we'll come up with a good nickname for Fernando Tatis as well. Um. Okay. So so, where do you stand with Tatis then? I guess is the last guy.
2: <sighs> so like like you said, he's been injured. Twenty twenty happened it. Um, when he plays, it's brilliant and fun to watch. It feels like he's kind of the mix of Ripken and Ozzy. You know, he, he okay. he's the, the fast player who also hits for power, doesn't quite have the great glove that Smith does. Uh, but he he's like the happy medium, if you will, between two Hall of Famers, which is not a bad place to be at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty, pretty sweet place to be,
1: I'd say. And I think that's a very interesting point because... Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really argue. He, he is a very slick fielder, and I think that once he, with a little more, you know, some more reps uh, and, and a little more experience in, in, you know, the league, I think he will kind of improve. Because what I see a lot when I watch Fernando Tatis Jr. play is he'll make an incredible, just the most athletic play to snag a, a ball mm-hmm. in the gap or track something down, and he'll just get up and fire it, and it'll go into the dugout, right? You <laughs> <Like, he laughs> he set this up get- so well there. He is nothing if not an entertaining fielder because he mm-hmm. he makes these incredible superhuman plays and then just rattles off just garbage throws. Sometimes. Yeah, and and isn't
2: it, there it, talk about moving him to the outfield as well?
1: Uh, yeah. So there was talk uh, last season. He actually did play a couple game, uh, uh, some games in the outfield last season. Uh, but that's also because of his shoulder. Um, he's uh oh, shoulder, right, he's got had shoulder issues that uh that have. It's terrifying. Have, uh, kept him out of the game for you know a significant amount of time, yeah. so they want to save his his bat and prolong his career. So we'll see if he sticks at
2: shortstop. If he yeah. moves to the outfield or possibly third base. So so with all that in mind about Tatis working on potential here, do you rent extend or cut Tatis based with okay. with these other two?
1: So I I'll, I'll give my 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 uh, you know I I guess immediate thoughts on these guys. I got a shout out Ozzie Smith because I think. That if you can go out on the field and do a backflip, that's huge. Like that's 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 uh, an intangible uh, uh. right there. <laughs> all this oh, talk so, about clubhouse leadership, not enough talk about backflips.
2: Backflips. That's what we need. So right before this uh, podcast began, Noah was putting up the stats for these three guys, and I started looking for how many backflips did Ozzie Smith do in his career, and I couldn't find a number. Maybe very angry that no one actually went down and tracked all of these, but. <laughs> opening days you know big holiday games all-star games it's got to be a couple dozen I think
1: yeah I mean he still holds the record for uh major league uh, bar which is backflips above replacement
2: hey Uh, nice but um
1: anyway uh yeah so I also so in looking up Ozzie Smith obviously I knew he was a phenomenal fielder and I think probably the best we're ever gonna see at shortstop um I didn't know, like, I knew he was fast too. I didn't know he stole almost 600 bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is really, really impressive. Uh, and yeah, he was a below average hitter for his career, uh, only had a, a 90 WRC plus. Yeah, but that's not terrible, though. It's that's not serviceable. Terrible. It's not passable, especially when you're giving, you're stealing that many bases and you're giving such an impressive. Uh, you know, display of athleticism in the field. And not only that, but he didn't strike out very much either. He only struck out five and a half percent of the time over 19 seasons. Like, granted, it was a different, yeah. a different. Uh, we had a different approach to strikeouts uh, mm-hmm. when Ozzie Smith played than we do today. But that's incredible. That's a really, really
2: important stat as well. So some comparison there, 5.5% K for Ozzie, uh, 10% for Ripken. And twenty-seven percent for Tatis. It's just different errors they played in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, sure well, Rip, I'm, I'm sure Rip I'm sure Rip can be up above twenty-five if he played in today's game.
1: Yeah. And and so really the crux of this this conversation for me is what do we expect from Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, moving forward? And do we think that he's going to be healthy enough to compete with these guys? Because yes, he's a phenomenal ball player, but it's He's only played three seasons and we're comparing him to two bona fide Hall of Famers.
2: And, and, and yeah, not just like, not just like Hall of Fame. These are like, if not inner, like near inner circle Hall of Famers. That's how I, good these guys are.
1: I would totally At, argue that, that Cal Ripken is, is on that inner circle. If, if he's not inner, inner circle, you know, with Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth and,
2: and those guys, he's, he's like the next rung, right? Yeah. So what, what, what thought th- in my mind is that if, we're trying to project Tatis. We can give him a great career. We can give him an amazing career. But will he have a career better than Ripken and Ozzy Smith? And for conversations here for the rank extend cut, I got to say no. I got to cut Tatis. Sorry, man. Interesting.
1: Okay. Okay. And that's, that's why we're debating this because I think, <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's probably unfair of me to just say to, to expect Fernando Tatis to continue this production for the next 17 years of his career hopefully we get that many from from fernando um but you, you nailed it tatis has an offensive package that just is incredible you know just really is is just the best of both worlds because he swipes bags he hits bombs and he he's a very very slick fielder um but the big issue is that big question mark is his his health, right? And will he be uh-huh. able to stay at shortstop? Will he be shifted to third base, or possibly even the outfield? Um, and I think that here's here's what I'm gonna say. I think I'm gonna rent Fernando Tatis Jr. Ooh, okay, because in okay. a single season, I think he has the and and I, I know somebody somebody's listening to this and is is getting incensed with my words right now, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I gotta speak from the heart. Um, because honestly, I think Fernando Tatis has the highest offensive ceiling of the three. I, I, and that's, that's, and I understand Ripken, um, had some amazing years. He cleared 140 wRC yeah. plus, uh, four times in his career, including when he was 38, which was pretty, pretty incredible over 86 games, but still, um, so I think I'm gonna go with Tatis on just just a rental, just of because of how. Excuse me. Okay.
2: So that means you're going to cut one of the two Hall of Famers.
1: I am. I am, and I'm sorry. Um, if somebody from the Baseball Writers Association is hearing this, please don't take away my Hall of Fame vote. And, and but thank in you for listening. Twenty years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I think I think Tatis is the guy who I think he's really the X factor, right? Um, and that's obviously these guys are all amazing players, so that goes without saying, but I think that if I am in the playoff hunt and I want a player who's going to drastically change my team, um, with, with five tools, I gotta go with, I gotta go with Tatis. Um, Okay, rolling the dice, I like it. I'm rolling the dice on him, uh, because I think... Well, I think I said I think he's just got the high the higher ceiling in an individual season.
2: Yeah, no, I I will say that he has the potential to be better than Ripken offensively, obviously already better than Smith. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big it's a big if it's a big potential. Oh, if it, if it pans out, he'll be an amazing play. Here are these. He's so much fun to watch, but he's got to get through those injuries. And I'm excited to see thing. if he does.
1: Here's the thing in a rental. I just need the one season from him, right?
2: Um, or you might I, just I'm get not, half I'm a season not, from them. Or yeah, exactly half
1: a season. I'm not looking for the the 10 year career. Okay, uh, you know, those I, I just want the fireworks. I I want the fireworks. I I need to get over the hump and get the pennant, right? All right. So I'm, I, like, I respect I'm going with that. Renting Tatis, uh, and I, I I'm I'm pretty satisfied with that reasoning. Uh, okay. If if you disagree, please feel free to flame me on Twitter. We can have a, a spirited debate. <laughs> um, now this does complicate the next question which is who's getting cut cal rifkin jr or ozzy smith and we haven't talked about it yet we briefly mentioned his nickname but cal rifkin jr is called the iron man for a reason and that's because he played 2632 consecutive games now when you think about that for for just a, a quick minute um that means that Cal Rifkin Jr., you know, there's 162 games in a season, right? Uh, Cal Rifkin Jr. did not miss a game for what about like 10 years? Uh, you know, more. I, I think I it mean, was more than that. Yeah, more more than 10 years, right? And it's it's incredible to just like any like not getting hurt just just like he never. And, and there's so many ways to get injured in baseball that are completely <laughs> like you can't, you know, plan around, right? Like you can stretch all you want. Yeah, but, but, you but you sometimes in the head with a fastball, yeah. you're to be on the ground or right?
2: on or your off monster. day, you can play k- Guitar Hero and bring a hand. It, it happens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so I think if you really want consistency and you want that guy who is going to anchor anchor your team for two decades and and be show up every single day, you got to go Ripken. But I just really have a have, have an issue leaving a guy who can do backflips off of my team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving that joke into the ground. But Ozzie Smith, let's talk about Ozzie Smith really, really quick. Let's talk Ozzie about Fred Bird. <laughs> yeah. Um Ozzie Smith is is I I will maintain is is probably the the greatest fielder we're ever gonna see. And you know, if you look at his career, if you you know, that's that's what got him into the Hall of Fame right? Like it's, it's, it's not for his hitting prowess, you know? Yeah. He stole a ton of bases and that definitely helped, but Ozzie Smith was so head and shoulders above anybody else. I, you know, I'd put him over, uh, you know, any of those, those defense first shortstops that come, come up in these conversations. Oh yeah. Uh, Vizquel is one of them. Um, just, I mean, I put him over him for many reasons, but, uh, (laughs) Ozzie Smith and, and I, I gotta, I gotta stick with my guns. And You know, he he was, he's, he was a Cal Poly Mustang. a Cal Poly kid as well um I just can't I can't get around Cal Ripken Jr I think I gotta go Cal because he can't okay, okay because here's I, my deal if I if I'm if I'm using the logic that you know I want Fernando Tatis for uh you know just a rental half a season to kind of mitigate that injury risk and get the uh you know the 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 power potential you know the offensive potential from him i got to kind of use that same line of thinking for cal ripken for keeping him around for an entire career you know uh mm-hmm. build making a statue of him and that he is going to i think you know he he's the best investment he, i that's a bad word to use with with baseball players but he's the best uh best player i think for a long term uh you know contract I- out, of, out of these three
2: so I, I do see where you're coming from with the rental, especially with Tatis. There, he'll he'll, he'll give you the fireworks over half a season if you get him at the trading deadline. Um, so I do understand and appreciate that. Um, however, there's still a gamble with, with injuries. Uh, Ripken, you know exactly what you're getting as a rental. Exactly, you, you pick pick him up at the trade deadline. He's he's going to hit you know two two ninety four easy at the end of the year, and right. he'll be there every single day with you know pretty pretty good defense.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing is is at the end of the day, none of these players are bad players, and that's that's no. what makes this a hard hard conversation to have. And a lot of it, like we said, it does boil down to personal preference. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I, yeah. All right,
2: so you are going to um, rent Tatis, Aussie. I'm sorry, extend Ripken, and cut Ozzy. All yeah. right, I. I will be keeping Ozzy because I love him forever, always. Of course. And for all of eternity. Um, I'll rent me some Ripkin to get me that solid offense and stable uh you know stability there the season. And Tatis, you know, uh I gotta cut Tatis and that hurts.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's I like these conversations because they just make me upset by the end of the <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> like why you know, can't we just
1: have three shortstops in the same team guys it's, I'll be it's staring, do that i'll be staring holes in my ceiling going oh man i should have kept Ozzy smith what am i thinking uh <laughs> all night tonight um but i think okay just just real quick i think i think we both have solid reasoning that we've outlined yeah um but i did promise so we've got cal the iron man ripkin we've got Ozzie, oh that's right of oz smith what are we calling fernando tatis jr i feel like the phenom is too easy mm, that's right? too easy Um, And I know people call him Nando uh, because, you know, his first name is Fernando. Oh,
2: my goodness, guys. And Nando's Chicken is some of the greatest chicken out there. You go find yourself a Nando's Chicken. So that makes sense.
1: (laughs) I I think it's – I think the key to a great baseball nickname is alliteration, like the Sultan of SWAT, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Hmm.
2: We're going to have to like cut out 20 minutes of us going, hmm. Uh, oh, for I sure. don't know. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to. The,
1: the audience won't even notice. Uh, okay. <laughs> we're going to spitball. Why did I make us do this? <laughs> I don't know, man.
2: I, I needed Mom some heads up for something.
1: this. Sorry. Um, okay. Uh, I think. I think he's like a hurricane out there because he's always doing something. The you know, hurricane? He's, he's, right. I, I, I don't know if that's that's right. I, I still think we need some alliteration, but he's kind of like a hurricane in the field. You know, he's always he's, he's the center of attention. Right. He's he's always making the big plays and he moves quicker than than a lot of people can can really react to. Right. Or, or see uh, he's he's a, you know, got gale force power at the plate.
2: Uh, uh, you're reaching think, man you're reaching for this
1: <laughs> I'm reaching I don't I don't know they, they bars- don't even
2: get hurricanes in California ah uh, yeah that's bad that's true okay um yeah you, you got me uh, uh, there. Uh, so of course we 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 already have a mr padre um, yeah we do we do and that's that in itself is a great nickname so I'm trying to find something that goes along with padre as well um daddy <laughs> <laughs> There it is, folks. That's Tatisa's new nickname is Daddy Padre. Daddy? <laughs> or just Daddy. Or just Daddy. <laughs> that, there it is. That's 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 the cancel end. The that show. is we that's his new nickname. We're done.
1: <laughs> They're shutting us down.
2: <laughs> here comes here Daddy comes Daddy Padre. up to the plate. <laughs> oh,
1: Daddy Padre be, is redundant. That doesn't make
2: sense. The, just so are the Los Angeles water. angels of Anaheim. It's all redundant.
1: Daddy, padre, but no, I,
2: I think it's I think it's just the way you said "daddy" that sold it. It was very well done, and I'm in. I hate, that. <laughs> daddy.
1: Oh God, I'm gonna get dragged. <laughs> I love it. All right, I, I think we'll stick with daddy. <laughs> daddy Tatis. Okay, um, if you somehow made it through this episode, we appreciate you. <laughs> um, Yes, I really have, say I have. I always have fun with you, Brandon. Um, but if you liked what you heard tonight, um, well, follow short hops and tall tales on Twitter at short hops pl. Uh, follow Brandon at bd riddle and myself at noah a scott six, and then subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, but now, uh, Brandon, I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Spotify now has podcast ratings.
2: Um, oh i did not
1: yeah so if you uh if you are enjoying this show uh please uh just go and in, in, it's like two taps on your on your spotify uh thing i think you hit the triple dots right the more info and then you can just leave a a starred review we would really really appreciate that um also if you did it on apple Podcasts, extra credit that'd be amazing you're all beautiful listeners we appreciate you <laughs> very very much um yeah so uh you got anything else brandon <laughs>
2: um everyone have great holidays stay safe
1: yeah yeah stay safe out there have a have a, a very very festive uh end to your your year and wow i guess we'll see i'll see you well i see you in 2022 brandon 2022
2: yeah by then james webb will be in space <laughs> all right
1: <laughs> um that's yeah wow 2022 that's that's cool i'm, I'm, I'm the future is now that. old man the future is now jeez what i remember all the hope we had going into into this no
2: no hope is a legend (laughs) hope is a a forgotten story by now
1: hey but i have hope that baseball is gonna come back and give me something to uh to watch soon but uh (laughs) anyway for brandon rudel i'm noah scott and this has been the incongruous short hops and tall tales podcast see you next time